Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hey, it's exciting to say. Happy New Year! Hope that you had a wonderful celebration this weekend. And uh, I want to thank everyone that came out to the Memories Ballroom in Port Washington, Wisconsin. It was, uh, I decided to spend the night. I don't always uh, stay at gigs. I do stand up comedy. For anyone who's just tuning in, you're like, well, okay, what's happening at the Memories Ballroom? I do stand up and often. Venues decide to hire comedians for New Year's Eve, and we had a great show. It was a Chicago style stand ups with Jimmy McHugh, Des Mulrooney, and Katie Miners. And it was a, just an incredible audience, so much wonderful energy. So, thank you so much to everyone who came out. And then I decided to stay because I didn't want to be on the road on a night when folks perhaps aren't being the most responsible. And I know we mentioned this on the way out at the end of 2023 on Friday, uh, hoping that. That uh, people would take some caution and, you know, get an Uber, walk home, uh, stay where you are, whatever the choices are. And I decided I would stay where I was because I don't know that everybody else was being safe. And I I decided I wanted to at least, uh, you know, grab a beer. I was just Wisconsin, you know, um, and I don't I was with I hung out with the audience for a little bit. And I just kind of wanted to uh, find someplace new. And I found a great bar. And, you know, I'll have to take a look and see where I actually ended up. But uh, <laughs> it was the most Wisconsin New Year's I have ever had because they had like a little buffet set up for everybody. And it had sausage, sausage and cheese and buffalo, you know, dip. <laughs> just Ritz crackers. So I have, uh, I'll have to post that photo of my absolutely perfect Wisconsin New Year's Eve celebration. And I was able to come home yesterday and spend the day with my family, having great food and watching movies. We watched uh, Fred Astaire. We watched uh, Gay Divorce. We watched Gay Divorce uh, last week. And then we watched, it's actually called Gay Divorce. I learned a little bit about that, uh, the origin of that title. Anyway, my, my tradition for New Year's Eve when I was growing up was to watch uh, Fred, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies. So we watched Top Hat and then we watched some Marx Brothers movies and that was uh, that was our holiday. And just kind of settling in, gearing up, getting ready for this year. This is such an important year for this election. And I was watching uh, some of the talking heads today talking about various issues, um, whether it's getting Donald Trump off the ballot I know a lot of folks are conflicted about that. I, I, I'm, I don't really understand the idea that we shouldn't apply the law to somebody who's breaking the law simply because they are the president of the United States. That's essentially what he's going to be arguing. His legal team will be arguing in front of the Supreme Court for his other legal battles that uh, he can't. He has immunity. So, so are they saying that he did commit the crime, but because he was the president, he can't be prosecuted for that? And 
in regards to constitutions of the state constitutions of places like Colorado and Maine, uh, I know that in Colorado they have a mechanism in their state constitution that someone who engages in an insurrection or the kind of behavior of January 6th uh, renders someone ineligible to be on the ballot. I have a lot of other questions, though, because I, I, I don't know how binding it is for a primary. We have our general election results, and that, you know, that, that was, you live with the results. And I don't know uh, what the Republican Party's recourse can be if they decide they still want to have him be the candidate for the president of the United States. I, I suspect there's, this is something I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Maybe I'm not catching the conversations. But if he's not able to appear on ballots in different states, can the Republican caucus convene and say, we still want him to be our candidate? I'm just curious about that. So we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the ballot issues. Uh, we'll talk to Dan Schaefer coming up in just a few minutes from the Recombobulation Area. He's the publisher and writer of the Recombobulation Area, covering all things Wisconsin, including, I'm sure we'll talk again, w- once again, as always, about Ron Johnson, who in an interview, I believe on Fox News or one of the... Um, I don't know if it was Fox. Maybe it was. But he, he was talking about how the immigration issue cannot be resolved with legislation now what i I really want to i want to understand what he's trying to say because forever they've been saying we know we've got to do more we've got to we've got to tighten security on the border and now he's saying "Eh, that's not really much we can do is it okay I, I guess if that's your that's your answer to things. What are your thoughts, uh, whether it's the ballot issues or the uh, border issues that now Republicans are apparently throwing up their hands and going, nah, we don't because they didn't want to vote on the funding in the first place. Yes, there are other things attached to that funding. There are always these games that, that legislators play uh, in order to move the mechanisms of policy and they do this bartering, this trading off, and they but they said that they because other things were attached, they didn't want to vote on the border. Well, do your haggling, make your exchanges, and then vote on what you want to do with the border and see where the chips fall. So that's uh, that's one of the things I want to talk about. Also, the uh, president of Harvard University did step down, and I this is something that I I, I did not think that any of the presidents of the universities that were testifying in committee when they were being questioned about uh, anti-Semitic rhetoric uh, and just simply the phrase uh, calling for genocide to all uh, to all Jewish people to all Israelites um, they could I just think that they were incredibly clumsy I think that they really thought that they were you know answering it in these very lofty they weren't thinking in the TikTok Instagram reel how does this look when you can't simply answer the question and I do think that anybody who testifies I would any any politician who can't answer the question yes or no should be treated the same way that the three presidents of MIT of Penn and Harvard were to just keep it you say yes or no it's a yes or no question that's what she kept doing and they, they could not it was so clumsy there was a way to answer the question that reflected the values of the university and of course calling for the genocide of Jewish people is unacceptable and not tolerated uh, and then whatever else you want to say if she cuts you off then she cuts you off and she's the jerk you've answered the question maybe there was litigation on other issues but the president of Harvard was also accused of plagiarism and this is like 
It is it is amazing uh, the folks who are up in arms about plagiarism when we watched in real time as Melania Trump completely co-opted a, a speech by Michelle Obama. And I, I, believe me, I, I understand. I was a grad student at Northwestern. I understand that the landscape of doing this in academia is different. Of course it is. It's, it's what their entire their entire careers are built on is their uh, their record, their work, uh, and, and being original and bringing that to a, a university environment. So uh, I don't know the depths of the accusations or the reality of what she did, uh, but she has the president of Harvard University has resigned uh, as of this afternoon. Let's get to the phone call, 773-763-9278. We have a few minutes before we jump on with Dan Schaefer. Jim is calling in. Happy New Year, Jim. How are you doing, my friend? Happy New Year, Pay. I hope 2024 is better than 2023. That's that's my wish. Anyway, I was going to say, somebody broke into the Colorado Supreme Court, believe it, shot the window out, took a guard hostage, set up a fire in the stairwell of the building, and they go, we don't know what the motive is. Well, I've got a pretty good idea what the motive is. I'll take a while, yes. Uh, but my social security check, he was mad about Trump take, being taken off the ballot in Colorado. And the problem with this is he was taken off the ballot in Maine. When Trump gets absolutely drowned in Democratic votes this year, what are his followers? Are they, and this is where we gotta, we're going to wake our taxpayers on these idiotic people that want to uh, support this guy to the grave. You follow yeah. me, Penny? Yeah. I mean, I, I, think of the money and the money and the, and the perilous thing where police have to come and uh, we have to use all of our assets for this. I know. I mean, they don't care. It's, it's, They're so. No, I, I know, but I know. Yeah, I mean, how could you get to that point? I don't understand it. They took him off the bill in Maine, so I guess the Supreme Court being. Appointed by Trump, but they're going to take it up immediately by this tomorrow afternoon because they got to put a stop to it before a few other states take them off the ballot. But uh, this is just—I don't know what to say. I've never seen anything like this in my life, where people are so deluded into believing that this guy can uh, can cure all things uh, negative in the world. That's so. Yeah. It's it is, uh, it's, it is it's, stupefying, it's Jim. It is absolutely stupefying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, you got out of Wisconsin, and I'm good to hear you back. Buddy. Thanks for you. I had a great Bye-bye. night in Wisconsin. Thanks so much, Jim. Talk yeah. to you soon. Have a great night. Have a great Bye-bye. night. Talk to you later. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we will we'll we'll find out what Dan thinks of. Uh, well, he knows I'm going to ask about Ron Johnson. I can't. Is it? He says, now the border crisis cannot be uh, approached with legislative actions. Okay. Let's take a break here. Well, but first, I want to thank our sponsors, Monaco Brewing Company. Follow the Monaco Brewing Company on their Facebook page because Kirk always has a great tale to tell. And you can actually catch some of his wonderful operatic singing uh, on his uh, on his Facebook page, as well as uh, all the developments with the new tap room in Madison, Wisconsin. So thank you so much to Kirk Bank said for your sponsorship and support of Driving It Home. We also want to thank our friend Warren Price at European U.S. Collision Repair Center over at 40. 80 North Broadway. If you get into a fender bender first, of course, make sure that you are safe before you exit the vehicle and get the information from your other the other driver and then call Warren 
or visit the website seven at europeanus.com and the phone number is 773-248-1200 at 773-248-1200 and we also want to thank our friends at, at Kids Above All, visit kidsaboveall.org and support their mission to help children leave, live happy, healthy, safe lives. Uh, we are so proud of the work that Senator Dankatowski does at Kids Above All and all the folks there giving their incredible talent, their time, their resources to make sure these kids uh, really have uh, a better chance at life having survived trauma. Thank you, everybody, for hanging in there. Let's uh, take a break, and we'll be back after this with Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation Area. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. People who listen to WCPT, you are bright, you are interested, you are interesting, and you are well-informed. It is a gift for me to be here, and I appreciate it every day. We obviously couldn't do this without you. Joan Esposito, weekday afternoons 2 to 5 on WCPT 820. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Hi, folks. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Happy New Year, Dan Shaver, the publisher of the Recombobulation Area. How are you doing this this wonderful 2024, the first, well, second day? How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Patty. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. I was in Port Washington at Memories Ballroom, and it was fantastic. Although it was funny because I, I went to a bar afterwards and had the most uh, amazing uh, New Year's, well, Wisconsin style. I had a, a beer, and they had a little like a, a buffet with just cheese, sausage, and buffalo cream cheese dip, and it was fabulous. How we do it? That's how we do it. Sounds like a good time. Well, the problem was there was a Packers game on on New Year's Eve. That's that's not a good combination for trying to do a live show and get people out for that. Everyone's on their phones trying to keep up with the score. But I will say congratulations on that win. Yeah, well, you know, it was uh, it was a good win. We the, we pretty much put the Vikings away by halftime, so people could return their attention to your show. I'm sure, right? <laughs> You know it's funny. Yes, by the time the by the time the evening was almost over, I was the closing act. So uh, yes, I had more of their attention at that point. But we had a wonderful show, and uh, so now you guys, how many you have to? You're in, are you in the playoffs, or you need to win one more? Or what's the what are the different pieces that have to come together for you guys to be in the playoffs? Well, there's there's a few different factors, but the most simple path forward for the Packers is to beat the Bears on Sunday. So if the Packers win against the Bears, oh, wait a minute. then they're in the playoffs. Wait a minute. It's us standing in the way of you guys being in the playoffs? This is too much pressure. That's right. Oh, That's right. No. Are, do we get to go to the playoffs if we win? See, I know nothing. I don't think so. But I, it's, it's, it's in Green Bay. It's Packers-Bears. It's the playoffs on the line. That's going to be a fun one. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> oh, that's a lot of pressure. I can't. It's a Sunday game? Yes. 
Yes. Okay. Sunday afternoon. I think it's uh, the 3.30 game, yeah. Ah, uh, this It'll is good. Always, always love a good Packers-Bears game. Yeah, if you guys are at home, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I wonder how many Bears fans are going to go up there. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It, it, yeah, I'm definitely watching that game. How do? You, how can you not? How can you not? How can you, how can not? you not? Pack Bears, oldest rivalry in the NFL. It really, it's the best one. Uh, so you know, I have to check in with you about your, uh, yeah, Ron Johnson. He's just yours, not yours personally, but Wisconsin's. He's, he, what, 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 what? Now he's saying that the the border crisis. Have you seen this? Where it can't be resolved with legislation. We're back to our, our weekly segment that we often start off these shows at, Patty, where we just talk about whatever crazy thing Ron Johnson said. New Year, same senior senator from Wisconsin. Yeah, I saw that clip of him, you know, as, as he so often spends so much of his time on conservative media outlets uh, yammering away about certain things. You know, it was an interesting mix of just, like, conspiracy theories about who's coming yes. uh, across the border and, and inaction. So his his own special blend of inaction and conspiracies uh, from our senior Senator Ron Johnson. Yeah. So, so often he will go to these links that, you know, he's always talking about the border, always talking about, you know, whatever the big conservative talking point is about it that, that, at that given time. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's like, well, yeah, we should do something about this. Well, you are one of the, <laughs> one of the people who could be doing something about this. And, and, you know, he, I think there was a, there was a headline right before, uh, right before the Christmas holiday that's from Newsweek that said Republican brags about sabotaging border security deal. That Republican in question, of course, Ron Johnson. Yeah. So yeah, uh, maybe he could, uh, you know, look in that old mirror to see, uh, yeah. see where, where, where the problem lies on this issue. Yeah, you would think that. I don't know if you heard what they're doing now in suburbs of Chicago, but they uh, have signs on the highway that say "No migrant bus stops here." So they're they're trying to divert. There's a this whole chaos with Governor Abbott loading folks up onto buses. Many of the folks on the bus don't even know where they're headed or what situation they're they're being driven to. And you know, the city of Chicago is now impounding the buses if they are dropping folks off. They're trying to coordinate to make sure that one, we are ready to make sure those folks have you know clothing and shelter and food uh, so instead to avoid the impounding of the buses the buses are just stopping in the suburbs and dropping people off just again with no heads up no coordination uh so thanks rod johnson for continuing to make these kinds of moments happen for people where they're not safe yeah i've been following that story a little bit uh you know from, uh, from afar and have, have you know i just really think this is it's such an unimaginably awful thing to do, to use people like this as political pawns the way they are with, you know, Abbott and DeSantis and these other southern governors who are, you know, just it'd be one thing if they're overwhelmed managing a system and trying to coordinate efforts with other states, with yeah. the federal government. That's clearly not what they're doing. They're doing this to, to you know, prove a political point and do these do these political stunts to, to just in, in using people uh, as, you know, just pawns in this game that they're playing is just absolutely repulsive. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I had an interview a couple of weeks ago with the mayor and county executive here in Milwaukee, and, and that topic was one I asked about. I asked about, you know, if, you know, that people want to grow the population in Milwaukee, would they ever, you know, consider coordinating efforts with uh, you know, with with southern governors or, or whatever, and they're just like, well, these stunts are obviously ridiculous, and and we're not going to be you know playing as a part of that at all. But 
you know, but and and if but we would want people to come here. We do want people to come to Milwaukee to build a life here um, and grow our city's population, which is obviously a big goal of theirs. Um, so I think that's you know it's something interesting to, to to think about. You know, going ahead for a lot of these municipalities like. Cities like Milwaukee that want to grow, that want to, you know, reach, go, go back to the population levels that we had seen uh, in in the city, you know, close to a century ago. And, and I think, you know, it, but I certainly would not want the want our leaders here to be part of the ridiculous political stunts being played by Republican governors in the South. It, it is surreal. And, and you mentioned that they want, you know, they want more population or they want more labor. I know I've brought this up before where you had a, a legislator talking about how if there hadn't been so many abortions, you'd have a better labor force right now. So this seems one like an, a, a solution for a labor shortage. And the other thing is I, I saw this horrifying story of a high school student who was killed at a sawmill. He was going to work early in the morning and, and they, because they had lowered the age for child laborers uh, died in this awful accident because they want more kids working. What? I mean, seriously, what is happening? And there's that too. There was also a long series uh, that ProPublica did in Wisconsin over the past uh, couple months talking about, you know, Wisconsin is known for its dairy industry in so many ways. And the dairy industry is in, in so many ways, uh, powered by migrant workers, by by yes. people who will come here and seize on seasonal basis or whatever to, you know, to work with these farms and, and things like that, and and they are just so often treated so poorly, uh, especially by police, and in and, and it's been a really you know that I would encourage people to check out that ProPublica series on on dairy workers in Wisconsin. It's a really uh, it's a really revealing read. Yeah, I've been following some of the the child labor laws and, uh, as you mentioned, the uh, migrant workers who have supported so many different industries for decades. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, this has been going on every every time they they think that they can scare people and talk about caravans. And I'm not saying there isn't obviously a a huge issue here that we need to address and and support people. But uh, not wanting to have a solution is uh, it's not. It's not humane in the way the direction we're heading right now. Uh, what are some of the big stories that you're looking at uh, this week? I know that we've, we're still excited about the the Supreme Court decision uh, with the gerrymandered maps. What are you following this week? Yeah, that's definitely a big one. You know, we're we're following uh, kind of what's going to unfold with that. You know, there's some pretty tight deadlines. Uh, for for what some of the maps are going to be, and you know, kind of over the holidays, uh, Republicans filed a challenge to the to the ruling, and one of the things that they uh, mentioned in the challenge was that there wasn't enough time to meet this deadline because it was happening over the over the Christmas holiday, and it's just so ridiculous to you know <laughs> they'll find any little excuse. Uh, to not, you know, we've talked so many times on the show about the, how inactive uh, the Wisconsin state legislature can be in just using the holidays as an excuse to not be able to address this incredibly important pressing issue that's been building up for so long. Uh, and so I thought that was a pretty ridiculous thing. And I think, you know, whatever's next, it's it's going to come down to whatever the U.S. Supreme Court does. I think we, you know, the the state Supreme Court ruled on a state constitutional issue, you know, we always talk, we always hear about from Republicans about, you know, states' rights and the separation of powers between federal and state government, things like that. But we don't really know what's going to happen if they do file a, a petition to 
you know, challenge this ruling with the U.S. Supreme Court. We've obviously seen in recent years that the, that the current makeup of the U.S. Supreme Court can be uh, unpredictable, I guess, to say the least. Um, and so I think it's going to be, uh, it's, it, you know, it's kind of in a wait-and-see mode to see if the U.S. Supreme Court will do anything uh, on the matters that uh, that conservatives are challenging this over, and and so, but I think overall it's just it's such a encouraging sign uh, to see this ruling come down, and and just I, I think it really just signifies hope for Wisconsin. We've been for so long, our politics have been strangled by these ridiculously unfair maps, and the the hope of getting out from under that, and it's just so close, you can taste it. You know, it's uh, it's really exciting, a really exciting time. For the state of Wisconsin. I, I'm excited, too, because uh, we are gearing up to I, I've been thinking about this and we really do have to focus a lot of our, our energy and attention on doing what we can with getting out the vote with Wisconsin. And I, I know that you know there, there are efforts as well uh, around the country to get Trump off the ballot. Uh, our sponsor of the show, Kirk Banks from Monaco Brewing Company, is uh, launching a legal case in this regards. What are what are you hearing from folks in Wisconsin when it comes to trying to get him off the ballot? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that uh, that, that case uh, was initially dismissed. I don't know exactly the status uh, of it at the moment. Uh, I don't think that that will be what ends up happening in Wisconsin. I think there there was some news today um, about the uh, the primary selection committee. So that today's the filing deadline for the spring primary uh, and the spring election here in Wisconsin. And you know, a lot of that is. His local offices, you know, we've got our mayor and county executive here in Milwaukee that are running for re-election, things like that. Uh, but it also, because it is a presidential election year, uh, I, I never like to say that this is an election year, because every year is an election year. This is a presidential election year. Um, but uh, but they said that I believe there will be uh, six or seven Republican candidates uh, on, the, on the gubernatorial side for the presidential primary. Uh, and just one candidate made the ballot for Wisconsin. That would be Joe Biden. So uh, I think that's you know, and, and Donald Trump was of course one of those uh, one of those candidates that made the ballot uh, for the primary in Wisconsin. So I, I don't really you know, it's it's interesting to see what's going to happen in Colorado and Maine, and certainly following those stories. I don't think that is uh, how things are going to transpire uh, in Wisconsin, as far as I can tell at this moment. And I was driving through, as I mentioned, I was in uh, in Port Washington. Uh, you guys, it's, it is. You know, we're not necessarily uh, exactly the same, but there is such a wonderful skyline in in Milwaukee. It's a beautiful city. Uh, Even like, you know, when I was on uh, 294, is it 94 that goes through? 43. It was where I was uh, taking 43. Uh, Really beautiful part part of town. Um, What is it looking like? What what is the mayor's race looking like as it shapes up uh, and people are filing? Yeah, so we had uh, our first, you know, new mayor in, in a very long time, Cavalier Johnson. He is uh, he's running for re-election. Uh, right now, he's only kind of facing uh, opposition, fringe opposition from, you know, kind of. I, I'm, I'm sure you have this type of thing in Chicago too, where you have some certain people who will just kind of run in every election. <laughs> yeah. These perennial candidates who are always on the on the ballot in various offices. Uh, so there's a Republican by the name of David King who is challenging uh, Cavalier Johnson. David King is running unsuccessfully for 
lieutenant governor, for Milwaukee Common Council, for state, I believe, uh, one of the either state senators uh, or state assembly. So he's just one of these guys who would just kind of run and lose in a lot of candidates in a lot of campaigns. So I think that is maybe going to be potentially the only uh, person. And then there's another candidate um, who ran uh, in, in a couple of years ago as well. Her name's Aisha Griffin. Uh, she's another one of these people who runs in, in every candidate. She's actually running for both mayor and county executive and oh, two dear. different aldermanic seats <laughs> uh, in two different districts. How- so I don't exactly know how that's going to work. I don't imagine she's going to be getting on the ballot in all of those places, but we'll have to see how that all plays out. <laughs> yeah, you will. Wow. Okay. That's uh, th- that's quite ambitious. I don't know if it's ambitious or I really don't know. Yes, we do have uh, folks who are perennial candidates and I, I don't I can't understand it. I don't know what they gain from it um, or they just they just really do believe that they should be elected and will take every chance that they can. I don't know. It's, I guess, you know, running a campaign like this can be a job, right? If you uh, <laughs> raise money to pay yourself a salary, I don't know exactly how it works. <laughs> yes. But uh, just it's pretty bizarre. Yeah. But I, I think the, the big picture, though, is that uh, these, you know, we have two young the history-making leaders in Milwaukee, David Crowley, our county executive, Gabler Johnson, our mayor. They're both the first uh, African-Americans to be elected to their positions. Uh, they're both in their mid-30s, and they're both making big changes in the city of Milwaukee. And I, I had a recent uh, sit-down, long sit-down interview with the both of them, and, and I think, you know, uh, I, I think Milwaukee is in such an interesting place right now with this new, fresh, young leadership that has really, you know, gotten to work and making some key changes that have been long sought by, by leaders in, in the city, and they are finally the ones to make it happen. So, um, you know, I think uh, they will more than likely be sailing through uh, to re-election. Yeah, it's, it sounds like they're, uh, you've got, you don't have the 18 candidates or the, I think we had 11 in this last race. It gets a little bit crazy in Chicago when there's an open seat, but when you have an incumbent that's bringing fresh ideas, it makes a big difference. So that makes, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, when, when we did out of an open seat a couple of years ago for the mayor, there was, you know, a, a close to a dozen different candidates that running uh, for the office. And, and now that, you know, Johnson and Crowley have, have, you know, kind of earned a lot of uh, support and trust from from the people of Milwaukee. There's really not, you know, nominal opposition at most. So, so I think, you know, there are other down ballot races that we'll be watching uh, throughout Milwaukee. But I think at the top of the ticket there, those mayor and county executive races, I expect uh, expect both of them to to win re-election. Well, you know, that's one of the races that we don't have to follow as uh, closely or as nervously. Yeah, we have a, we have a few other races in Wisconsin that will, you know, will be a little bit closer, uh, be a little bit more tense uh, as we get into the summer and fall. Um, so maybe yeah. uh, maybe a little reprieve from an intense election cycle is exactly what we need right now. Are there other things that you are are focusing on right now? I know that folks can, you know, need to be signing up for the recombobulation area. Follow Dan Schaefer on Twitter so you can stay up to date on all the stories he's covering in Wisconsin. Uh, but what is it? What's on your on your plate right now for this week? What are you focusing on? Yeah, definitely looking into kind of what's next with the redistricting stuff. Just kind of looking ahead to a lot of the big stories of the year, and this being 
being a presidential election year, you know, that's a big part of it. Uh, and, and, you know, Tammy, Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin will be running for re-election. We still don't know who the challengers and in, in, in the Republican challengers in that race are going to be. Uh, so that's kind of a, a strange uh, little wrinkle that's going on. Uh, and I think the congressional races, too, I think people are starting to uh, starting to pay more attention to. Um, you know, the, the Journal Sentinel had a story kind of looking ahead. Uh, at what what some of the big races were, and they they kind of projected that the third congressional district race, which was uh, uh, currently represented by uh, Republican Derek Van Orden, who uh, made some news that you may remember last year, yelling at some Senate pages uh, <laughs> yeah, in the Capitol. Use a little yeah. colorful language. Uh, and yeah. So you know, I think I think Journal Sentinel talked about that potentially being one of the most expensive. Uh, congressional races pr- projecting to be one of the most expensive congressional races anywhere in the country. And I think there's a good reason for that. And, and that uh, is the, the fact that Van Orden won last time, but he didn't win by that much. And National Democrats really did not put much of anything at all uh, into the, the candidate Brad Path at the time in that race. So I think if they change their tune on this, r- regardless of who the candidate who uh, wins that primary, Katrina Shankland or Rebecca Cook, I think are probably the top two candidates. Uh, in that race, you know, that's going to be a really important one. So we're going to be, you know, it'll be the presidency, it'll be the Senate, it'll be the House that will be right in the pressure cooker uh, in Wisconsin. So be sure to subscribe to the Recombination Area. We'll be offering insight on all of those races all year long. Excellent. Yeah, stay up to date, everybody. Sign up for the Recombobulation area, and you'll be uh, subscribing to the second. Uh, his Dan Schaefer has now been named again uh, his second Tony Awards by uh, UW Oshkosh professor Tony Palmieri, uh, who's named him Wisconsin Journalist of the Year. Congratulations on that. Dan. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, I was excited to see that come across my feed yesterday. That's nice. I, did, I had no idea that was coming, so it was a nice. Uh, I'm a UW Oshkosh alum, so it's nice uh, nice to be recognized yeah. by by some folks from my alma mater. Well, congratulations and and well deserved. You really do a wonderful job of giving us the lowdown on everything that's going on, what we should be looking at, and uh, and it's it's so important. Uh, thank you so much for joining us every week. I know that you're busy, you got a lot to do, uh, and the fact that you can jump on with us is is really it helps us a lot to to know what's what, what we should be focusing on in Wisconsin. Always happy to chat, Patty. Go yeah. Packers. <laughs> Go, eh, you know what? Let them win, you guys. Let's not cheer against the Packers this weekend. I, we, 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 hold on, but before we go, someone texted me. Matt Cummings texted me with the uh, with the rundown with, with the lowdown. The Bears needed the Packers. Wait, the Bears needed the Packers and Vikings to tie that game to stay in contention for the playoffs. Uh, the Packers went. Oh, you eliminated us on New Year's Eve, is what, what we're saying. Okay, so I, I don't know. Yep. Okay, you didn't you didn't want to mention that part, did you? Well, I, uh, I didn't, you know, didn't didn't want to twist the knife too much there, right? I don't know. It seems like they're going to be very eager to return the favor. I wish you guys the best. Like I said, if we can't go, it may as well be our neighbors of the north. There we go. That's all I'm saying. All right. Take care, Dan. I'll talk to you next week. You too. Thank you. And follow him on Twitter, Dan Schaefer, S-H-A-F-E-R. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Alexa, play WCPT. WCPT from TuneIn. 
Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, the division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or EuropeanUS.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Coming up uh, in the next hour at 6 o'clock, we'll be checking in with Renato Mariotti. He's a former federal prosecutor and another uh, another individual you should be following on Twitter to stay up to date on all the stories he covers, as well as checking in on his podcast. It's complicated with Asha Rangapi. So it's a really good podcast. They, they, go, they break down all the big legal news stories. And of course, we'll be talking about Donald Trump's appeals in the Maine and Colorado rulings that take him off the ballot for 2024. I, I still haven't had anybody. I was, I was trying to watch one of the news channels uh, covering the implications of removing him from the ballot. And I guess uh, Vivek Ramswamy is saying that he won't be on the ballot in, uh, in Colorado if they won't have Trump on the ballot. So he won't be there either. Uh, which I, I really there's sometimes there are just individuals I wish I never had to hear from again. Uh, he was giving a speech in Iowa and said that individuals who have uh, decided to join the military and are trans should be banned because it's a, a mental illness. And I, I, I mean, what? The tradition of people who are trans serving in our military has a long history and the the issues that we are having with the military, I was following a story about a young woman who uh, reported sexual assault and later died. There was another woman down in Texas. There was a woman abroad. Uh, the violence against the sexual violence in the military is something that we need to address. And he now someone like Vivek Ramaswamy, who has really. Uh, no purpose in making comments about transgenders, g- transgender people who are just living their lives and happen to want to serve in our military and, and now wants to denigrate their service and their own, just their simple humanity. It's, it's just disgusting. And Dave in Hoffman Estates wants to join the conversation. Hey, Dave, what are, what's on your mind, my friend? Hey, Patty. Happy New Year. Happy the, New um, Year. Um, I was just talking with Lady D and that too about the, uh, um, the, the migrants and that they had a, um, I think it was on Katie Tour show, this uh, on C, on uh, not TVP but on uh, MSNBC, and she had kind of a split screen. And Marianne Ahern was one of them, and they were kind of talking about that. And I picked up later into it, but it sounded like she had claimed that some of the you know suburbs are starting to draw up referendums and stuff like that, and how to accept you know, the migrants and on how long they can stay in the shelters and have to move on and stuff and that, you know? And right. And I guess I heard too, some friends said that they've been, you know, they're getting housed in the hotels and being fed and that, and got to thinking, I hope governor or our, our representatives, I hope they're sending the bill, you know, for paying for the hotels and the feeding back to Texas, you know? Right. And that, and uh, and then and we need to get our 
our congressmen in that too, you know, on the sticker, they're not really, not really doing much on, on this issue, you know, for us. Yeah, I, I don't know why there doesn't seem to be a greater sense of urgency, whether it's federal uh, or state. I mean, you know, Chicago has had some stumbling blocks over the last year in trying to handle the situation and needs a lot more support. I think that the governor has done, you know, there was a lot big public battle between Governor Johnson, uh, Governor uh, Pritzker and Mayor Johnson going back and forth as to whose fault it was, that there wasn't enough money, that the, you know, that the um, safety of migrants was in question. And I, I, I feel like they're, everyone just kind of throwing their hands up in the air. And I do think it's reasonable to tell the federal government that we need more help. If, if places like San Antonio's you know, Catholic Charities is using FEMA funding in order to put migrants on planes and buses rather than caring for them, and fine, then if you want to send them someplace else, then send the funding here too. Okay. That'll help. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the planes, like when they brought that that first like plane load and stuff like that was that almost like a, uh almost like a black flight where they didn't even have a did they even have a manifest and like who was the the pilot and whatnot on that you know it's almost like maybe they had to nail these pilot and stuff like that for human trafficking well and that's why they you know the the, air, the traffic control tower called the authorities because they didn't have any record of the plan as far as i understand uh, any record of the incoming flight and as you mentioned the pilots the passengers uh there's a reason why we have homeland security but i, I it, are, is there an interagency agreement that like well you know chicago's asking for it i don't know yeah and then like you say when they fly and they didn't even know about you know, this flight number, nothing like that. It could have ended up being like another one, like uh, like what's happened in Japan now, where that, you know, that uh, that Coast Guard plane flew, hit into uh, into the plane on the ground, you know? Yeah. And that, but, um, no, I just... Well, yeah, you would think they would be more vigilant. They would be, you, would, uh, you would think that they would want to do things, you would think that, right? That's a, the hope, the expectations, that people do things on the up and up. And that's not what's happening here at all. And taking human yeah. lives uh, so callously and, that, and cavalierly. And then, you know, these people, you know, they're flying, you know, on the, the it's federal, you know, the planes, you know, FAA and all of this stuff. <laughs> so, you, I don't know, it just seems like these pilots and stuff, they should be getting in trouble. <laughs> and these bus drivers, you know, and they're dropping them off, you know, being, you know, kind of, you know, not telling them where they're at and stuff. But right. uh, the same here in Chicago, and again, you know, on federal roads and whatnot, and, and either that or they should get pictures of who these people are or whatever the bus lines are. But uh, I don't know, there's, there's got to be something got to be done, though, because, um, you know, and, and like I say, we need a congressman and have to do stuff. And, uh, but, um, oh, yeah, and when you mentioned about um, the plagiarism, like it's telling Lady D who you're talking to, it says, uh, Remember when they say you point the finger, there's three pointing back at you. If you recall, back in 87, our now president who was got nailed for plagiarism, if you recall. Who, I'm sorry, who did? Joe Biden. Oh, is that right? That, that's one of those yeah. stories that just, yeah, I don't remember that one. Yeah. That, that, I, it, it rings a little, a little bell. Yeah, it, I can't remember if it was... When he was running, you know, for president again or something, you know, back then. But the, 
he did get hit with plagiarism. It it it, it chafes my it chafes my ass. <laughs> Maybe that's the best way. It just bugs me because look the microscope of the, the intense scrutiny of looking at her career at her work whether or not she you know it's it would have risen to the 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 level of asking her to resign we'll never know because she really i i really do think that the presidents of those universities were very clumsy i don't like the way that they were you know sort of led to that um but the elise stefanik was was successful in her um her attempts to make them look bad they they didn't need much <laughs> prodding to trip all over themselves to look really inept is all i'm saying yeah it seemed like you know they uh there used to be no saying back then you know book smart but common sense stupid you know right. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. I've been trying to find more information about what she's been accused of and the extent of the plagiarism. Uh, I don't know. Have you had a chance to get it more? No, I haven't paid that much attention to that anymore. It's just, uh, you know, I thought that when the one left, that they were, you know, <laughs> all of them would have kind of did the honorable thing and stepped down, but uh, they didn't. But anywho, but, hey, I see or I hear that you guys got the card. The, oh yes, thank you so much, uh, Lady B yeah. was, was saying it's up in the uh, in the break room. So yeah. thank you so much for the Christmas card, Dave. Yeah. We appreciate it. I th- like I like I apologize. I forgot to put Mark Mark Pinsky and uh, Jerry Wolfie on there amongst the other people, and I forgot to put my own name on. i <laughs> 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 the anonymous card giver for you guys, but just to show I always appreciate everybody involved. You know. Well, I'm, I'm grateful, and we appreciate your phone calls and conversation, yeah. Dave. Speaking of which, let me get off so somebody else can say. But uh, that's the two cents for today, anyway. So. Yep. Thank you so much, Dave. Take care. All right. Talk be, to you be well. Bye. Take you care. too. Bye. Bye. Let's take a break here. We'll continue taking phone calls. 773-763-9278. That's the number to call or text to join our conversation. Again, the number 773-763. Hold on. Why did I? <laughs> I've been doing a bunch of uh, a bunch of phone numbers today, and I uh, I almost gave out my phone number seven six three nine two seven eight. That's number to call and join the conversation by call by calling or texting seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. More in a moment. I need more coffee. We'll be right back. Chicago's Progressive Talk WCPT eight twenty, where facts matter. As is taking your calls now. At 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. I'm going to get to the phone calls in just a moment. And I'm trying, as I mentioned, I'm trying to understand better what uh, the the uh, president of Harvard did uh, in regards to uh, the criticisms of plagiarism. And from what I understand, she was cleared of any wrongdoing. She had made uh, corrections to citations, meaning where she was. Where she got information, you know, you can go back and whether it's a, a footnote or say, I, I, this is where I learned this, this, is where I'm getting this information from. And so far, I, I haven't seen anything where they were able to confirm that she was guilty of plagiarism. So that's uh, even the fact that I'm saying it again is, is reinforcing that idea. Uh, and when those attacks started coming out, they were, a lot of it was attached to incredibly racist and horrible language. But of course, 
unfortunately, uh, as I, I also said, I, I, I didn't think that they did a great job. She and the presidents of MIT and Penn uh, were very um, clear and concise in standing up for uh, their Jewish students and, and uh, you know, genocide to Israel. The question was, is calling for the genocide of Israel in Israel a uh, something that um, you, would, you would enforce uh, on your campuses that it is hate speech. Um, and they try to talk about the balance between freedom of speech and whether or not it turns into actions. And, oh, it was just way too much overthinking. But again, it looks as though, from what I understand in these articles, that what she did was cor- make corrections to citations as she came under the microscope of folks who wanted, wanted her out of that position. Joe in Edgewater is calling. Hey, Joe, how are you doing today? What's on your mind? I'm fine. How are you? I'm just calling about the um, whole mind burn issue. Um, uh-huh. Last week on Sunday, I took some time off and sent an email to um, Kelly Cassidy and my um, city council woman. And I just stated, I said, you know, I think we should start fining Texas $1 million per person. Let's impound the buses. Let's start arresting these people that are bringing them here. These people have been through enough to get here. You know yeah. what I mean? I just said, we should know, to know no end. And I said, you know, why aren't we looking at renting apartments for these people? Yeah. You know, you know, right around the corner from me, they had a fire in the building, building half a block on. They had 40 empty apartments. Why yeah. aren't we looking at that? Oh, there, and, you know, and I, yeah, I agree. Email, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I ended my email with, <laughs> with my name and I put down, I'm a registered and active voter. And within two days, three days, I had responses from both Kelly Cassidy and my older woman. It was, it was, and they all seemed, everybody seems to agree, but they're like, well, they don't know that they could find anybody or, you know, issue warrants for other people's arrest in other states, you know, because this is unprecedented. And I'm like, well, you know what? You don't know until you try. I mean, I don't think you get anything out of it, but, you know, start staring at you. You can't dump these people off on the side of the road. Or a train no, station. No, or dump them off at the airport. Uh, did, now, oh. So you said you heard from you heard back from Representative Kelly Cassidy, uh, and your older yeah. per, all, all, older person also responded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that was a couple. Everybody seems to be on the same page, but it's like you now we need to start thinking on the box on that. Well, you I, know what? Yeah, yeah, I don't we, understand why we, we're a city of two and a half million people. We could fit fifteen, twenty thousand people here. We just need to get a coordinator. My husband and I were in Niles, which, you know, I, I don't I know that there are some municipalities uh, outside of Chicago, including Oak Park, that want to in, in, take care of some folks and, and provide shelter and food. There's a an abandoned YMCA in Niles, completely abandoned, meaning they have rooms with showers and bathrooms, uh, an entire building that could be used to house people. And it's just completely empty. Like, what are we doing? It's just, it's- it's disgusting. And, you know, and start putting pressure on these people. Like I said, the building around, you know, that had that fire over on Foster, you know, it's half a block long. They have 40 units in there. Why isn't the city looking at what's available? Right. I'd rather give these lands the money than pay for some contaminated ground that we're apparently paying $93,000 a month for that we can't use. Yeah. No, and I feel like a lot of these property owners are just getting the tax write-offs for not being able to yeah. have occupants. Well, you know, and here's my other thing. I'm sick of your show now. But here's my other thing. During the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic, the city of Chicago and the state managed to put together 3,000 beds in a hospital in a week. Yeah. At McCormick Place. Don't tell me we can't do something like that somewhere else. Yeah, you're right. It just, it just, I, 
who's driving the ship into the iceberg, but they need to get their act together. Yeah, and the mismanagement, don't even get me started on the mismanagement of the funds. It's uh, unconscionable. They they spent, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a, yeah. You know, that was my thought. I'm sorry for preaching. No, I'm glad you got to vent, and I'm glad that you're reaching out to your local electeds. That's what we talk about all the time is, uh, you know, they need to know where we stand on things, and I'm glad that they're being uh, responsive. And my concern is heading into the legislative session in Springfield is a few things, actually. There is uh, the looming, uh, they have a primary, right? So they typically let let all the electeds basically take a few weeks off from working in the in Springfield so they could be home campaigning. No, ah, don't even get me started. Walk. What you know that? what I mean? What was that? I said they need to learn how to chew gum and walk. You I, could do two things. Yeah. I have to. Don't, don't even get me started. My uh, The woman I ran against was on a front porch when she was supposed to be in Springfield. We had like the <laughs> video and everything. Yep. Didn't was not in Springfield working because, well, you know, I made her nervous and that's fine. But the, so that's one thing. I, I think that I, I, I don't know how Speaker Welch and President Harmon are going to manage their uh, their legislators. But that's one thing is they're they have a primary coming up in March and they have a huge task in front of them, which is also to make sure that well, one, obviously the budget. But there's uh, the school maps for the city of Chicago. They still have not figured out the map or how they're going to have. I think they may have gotten the map down, but they don't have it figured out how they're going to go from uh, an elected school board. Are they going to have a hybrid? Is it going to be fully elected? Is it going to be partly appointed? They still haven't figured that out yet either. Why do they need another layer for the school board? I have, I'm a gay man. Ever had children in school. I pay $1,200 of my taxes. Go for school, and these people can't figure their act out either. Yeah, that was the the initial intent was that they wanted to have less mayoral control because the mayor was appointing them. But now that they have a mayor that's friendly to CTU, they're kind of caught in a bind because they're like, "Uh, we I guess we don't need." Uh, yeah, they're they're figuring it out. Thanks so much, Akalo. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back after the news, we're going to check in with former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti and find out what he thinks of all the big legal news. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. so much for joining us and hello to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 950 AM in addition to WCPT 820 here in Chicago. I was putting the show together today. And I'm like, you know, it's the first day of the new year and I miss someone very much. I try not to bother him because I know he's crazy busy. Every uh, major outlet calls him for legal advice and analyzing uh, CNN, MSNBC, former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti joins us. Happy New Year, Renato. Happy New Year to you. How you doing, Patty? I am doing really well, and I feel like I, I feel like I hang out with you because I get to see your room on Room Raider, and uh, <laughs> they are really profiling you and Asha Rangappa for uh, your podcast too. It's complicated, so well done on the the wonderful holiday decorations. Well, thank you. In fact, we were just I was just on uh, MSNBC. Uh, I don't know about thirty minutes ago, and Ari Melber and I were talking about. Leaving the Christmas tree up, and I have candidly, I 
you know, have been, you know, we were planning to take it down the last day or so, but uh, their viewers have actually convinced me it's supposed to stay up at least through uh, January 6th. I don't know how late you leave it up in your household. I just saw that on your page. So yours is, they say, till the, till the epiphany on January 6th. Ours is up. Our Not only is our tree up, our inflatable snowman that we call uh, Winston is also up. Oh. And there was a little girl with her dad. He, she's in the stroller, and they were pointing out some of the inflatables, and I said, ours is right around the corner so they had a Winston when you go by by because they were she still wanted to see the decorations so that made me feel good that ours are still up absolutely I you know what my wife is Jewish but we absolutely love the uh the Christmas uh, holiday it's just an awesome holiday we try to celebrate both Hanukkah and Christmas in their household oh that's that's beautiful I love it did you get to do anything special did you travel at all or was it kind of a nice family celebration this year Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, we were in St. Lucia in the Caribbean uh, <laughs> right before the, uh, the the Christmas. Then we got back late on the 23rd and went on the 24th to the Music Box Theater for the uh, for the uh, annual showing of White Christmas. It's one of our um, one of our favorite things to do. We actually brought my mom and my mother-in-law. I um, we love all that. Got together. Yeah. Danny Kaye is one of my favorite performers ever. Uh, just such a, it's a great movie. And my dad, I love Bing Crosby too. But that's uh, that's really that, God, that's fun. And uh, and and then you got to roll your sleeves up and get back in all to and uh, all of the uh, you know the lawyering stuff that you do. Absolutely right. It's it, it, it never ends. Uh, busy with not only my clients but all the legal uh, news of the day. Uh, boy, there's been a lot. I mean, not only. Um, do we have uh, whether Trump's going to be on the ballot? Uh, but uh, you know, there's a lot of motions uh, flying around uh, uh, regarding uh, whether or not Trump has absolute immunity, and uh, um, whether or not his lawyers are going to be able to make arguments about the political motivations of the prosecutors and so on as well. So a lot going on. Well, that was the one that caught my eye in regards to uh, the president claiming immunity. Uh, your your tweet about his argument would grant immunity from criminal prosecution to a president who instructs the FBI director to plant incriminating evidence on a political enemy or a president who orders the National Guard to murder his most prominent critics. Now, that's in Jack Smith's filing. Is that right? That's right. And, you know, it really says something, right? I mean, you know, I will tell you, Batty, throughout my, my life, I'm in my my uh, late 40s, I, there's been a lot of important arguments that have you know played out in court, whether it was Bush versus Gore deciding the election or uh, obviously uh, Roe v. Wade got overturned. So many important uh, decisions. But, boy, this question of whether or not the president is completely immune uh, and above the law and can do whatever he wants, it, it, it really has an importance that almost no other case uh, has ever had. Well, it's it's just glaringly crazy is all I could, the only way I can describe it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Being are they are the right wing extremists all the the cult of MAGA are they listening to what that the implications of that right that any president then never has to leave office essentially. Well, you know, the president right now is Joe Biden. I exactly. mean, that's one thing I pointed out in the air. You know, realistically. This would give him license to, you know, do whatever he wanted to do. Maybe he could have the F- the FBI arrest Donald Trump or, you know, uh, imprison him or something. And it's, it is really something um, what what the implications of that would be. Now, of course, their argument is, hey, this is, you know, th- this is, uh, th- you know, this is exactly what's going on right now. And 
you know, the difference here is, of course, and the point is, is that, you know, we're, we're able to be a nation of laws where you can be held accountable, but you still have the rights and due process protections of other Americans. That's the idea. I would think. Okay, so but in the in that language from Jack Smith, is that is that him also then telling us what's coming in his in his case that he instructs right that that he instructs I, I don't think I don't think that no I don't I'm think just, that I just speculate that I don't think that I think that's the case I think what he's trying to show is and this is sort of an important move that lawyers make when they're especially when they're arguing to a court of appeals as Jack Smith is that. You ultimately, uh, there needs to be a limit to your position. And that's always what courts of appeals are trying to test. Like, okay, we're not. So you say your client should go free because of X, Y, Z. But what about this case? What about that case? Like, what are the limits here? Where where can you draw the line so we're not suggesting some crazy talk? And that's exactly what Jack Smith's doing here. He's like, okay, if you take Donald Trump seriously, as long as you can say, plausibly say, that there's something official about what you're doing, that oh, I don't know, I'm going to sell nuclear secrets to this other country, and that's part of my decision-making powers as president or whatever, you can do whatever you want, right? You can order the National Guard to arrest someone or something along those lines. Yeah, boy. So how do you see this, uh, considering the makeup of our court? What, what What's your sense of things and how this might go? Well, I try to be a realist. I will say, though, in this in this case, uh, as you point out, Patty, I think the arguments are too absurd for even uh, uh, you know the most ardent uh, Trump uh, supporting uh, judges to go along with. So I'm not. I really don't. What I suspect is going to happen is the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is going to reject these arguments, and then I think the Supreme Court's not even going to take it. Uh, really? They're going to let the yeah. I think they're just going to let the let the court of appeals ruling stand and just sort of not weigh into it. I don't think the I, I think that the the justices that are supportive of Trump are not going to want to put themselves out there, basically rejecting his argument on this. So I think that's what's going to happen. I don't. I do have a different reaction though about the the ballot uh, issue yeah. and his access to the ballot. There, I think they're going to be much more likely to put themselves out there. In regards to whether or not he can be on the ballot right now, it's Colorado and Maine. Michigan uh, decided that he could stay on the ballot. But my understanding is that the constitutions, the clauses that they're referencing are different, that there's there is language in the Colorado state constitution that does make him ineligible based on the way the Supreme Court's reading that law. Right. There is a secret element to it, but I I will just say that I think the Colorado Supreme Court determination is most likely going to be reversed, whether it's on the prime, this is right now about the primary ballot or, but you just as likely could reach a, you know, ultimately this is going to either come up in the general election or the court's just going to take it up now. But I think the Supreme court's going to take it. And and I think where they're going to come out is they're going to find a way to essentially punt the issue and say that it's not in their power to, to handle it. They're going to say that, for example, it's, a, you know, the, it's self-executing that, you know, in other words, you, it's not self-executing. In other words, the, you, you, something more needs to be done. The, the court them itself can't make that determination or they'll say it's a political question or some other means to sidestep this issue. That's my prediction. Oh boy! And, and do we have a timeline for when these these might appear, or these decisions might be made, when the arguments will be presented? 
No, you know, this has not even made itself uh, up to, to the Supreme Court yet. Um, that could happen. But, um, you know, right now, uh, one of the issues is that for, for a primary election, um, there's a very limited time frame. In fact, the primary ballots are going to get printed, you know, in January. But I think the Supreme Court's not not going to be focused on that timeline. I think the the question is, will they will they tackle this next year? You know, really, with a focus on the general election, and um, if they if they do what I suggest, then they they can ensure that Donald Trump's on the election or on the ballot for the general election, which is uh, you know, given that he's very likely the nominee, I expect that to happen. Did you did you ever think that when you started tweeting out about uh, Trump and Russia and you know drawing on your experience and expertise in the, in the, as a former federal prosecutor as uh, somebody who has worked in the legal profession did you I mean it, it just keeps getting crazier and crazier I, I I really I do seriously miss less interesting times because uh, we have we we weren't you and I haven't even had a chance to talk about the uh, decision in the Rudy Giuliani case with uh, with Shane Moss and Ruby Freeman, and then he walks out and and, and just steps in it all over again. I mean, have, it, 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 there's so much crazy. I don't even. Is it like going for a sip of water from a from a hose, and it's more like someone turned on a fire hydrant? You're like, ah, it's too much. Yeah, I will tell you. You know, I, I was talking to someone about this recently. I, I never really anticipated talking about any of this stuff years later. I mean, candidly, there was no real plan in place when I started tweeting about this. There was no scheme. There's no strategy. It was just something I did because I was very compelled by the moment that we were in to say something about it at the time, because it seemed so big and it seemed so crazy at the time what Trump was doing. Um, firing the FBI director, threatening to shut down these investigations, put himself above the law. I was so shocked by it all. And I really didn't expect it to become a thing. It really had an impact on my career in a lot of ways. Not entirely positive. It's a mixed bit of mixed bag. But it's just these issues are too important to stay silent on. And I really think, um, Patty, that if we, you know, as you as people, if we look at the issues of the day and the co- and the, the problems that we have, the causes that, that we're fighting for now, if you're staying silent, you're part of the problem. Mm. And so that's really the way I view all of this is it's really, you know, our duty uh, to speak out. And even more so when you're um, an officer of the court or when you have knowledge that other people don't have to educate the public about the dangers of some of, of some of this. I mean, a lot of people, understandably, they got to make ends meet. They're not focused on absolute immunity. But, boy, when you hear it, it just sounds pretty crazy, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're grateful and we're all the better for it. And if you wouldn't mind indulging us for more, I know that you're you're uh, short on time and I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy that you're here with us. But would you mind taking a phone call from a listener who has a question about, I believe, the ballot sure. issue? Thank you. Here's Roosevelt. Roosevelt, you're on with Renato Mariotti. What do you want to share with him, Renato, Roosevelt? Thank you for taking my call, Patty. Uh, Merry Christmas to both of you. Thank I mean, you. Uh, Happy New Year to both of you. We'll take uh, all of it. <laughs> Renato, you're the perfect person at this, and it's in regards to everything you, you and Patty just talked about. Okay, sure. from what I from what I understand, Colorado, Maine, uh, we can. I'm not, I don't want to talk about Michigan because that's out already. But uh, is it because here's here's the thing: if the guy I'm talking about Trump, if the guy didn't have anything to do with the insurrection, 
Okay, let's pretend he didn't. But at the, at the, on the date of January 6th, he said to them, go home, we love you. Isn't that giving them cover? And since then, he's had plenty of uh, uh, his reunion with his, with, with his followers, and he said that he's going to pardon them. There again, he's giving them cover. So when it comes down to the um, 14th Amendment, Section 3, doesn't that include aiding and abetting an insurrection? An, an insurrectionist? Isn't that aiding and abetting? Constantly saying and complaining how they've been treated and how they've been jailed and everything. He's giving them cover. He's aiding and abetting insurrectionists. So as far as I'm concerned, even if he didn't have anything to do with the insurrection, right there and then, he can't run because he's aiding and abetting insurrectionists that already went to jail. Okay. And he says he's going to pardon them when he gets in. Let, let, can you let, uh, let's let Renato respond? Great questions. Uh, let me start by, you know, you mentioned that he said, hey, you know, he, he had some language, right, that, that, you know, some vague language in his statement at the time, back in January 6th. That will be a big element of debate at the trial. Okay, so first of all, Trump did say something to try to get himself off the hooks and self-serving statements about, hey, don't be violent, be peaceful, and this and that. And I think he did that purposely to try to give himself some cover. So I agree with you with that. Regarding the point you made about aiding and abetting, so what aiding and abetting is is when you know about criminal activity and you're helping to make it succeed in some way. Like, oh, I don't know, you're you know, you're a security guard at a bank uh, at a bank, and you see that the bank robbers are coming in, and you decide to unlock the door, you decide to run away and help the, you know do something to help them you know get access to the bank, something where you're you're helping their crime along. I think with Trump. At the time, you could try to make some arguments, but I think well, a lot of the things you're, you are pointing to are things that are after the fact. After the crime has already occurred, he's not helping them com- com- commit the crime. What he's doing is he's making them feel like if they support him, he'll get them off the hook. I think it's it's not only awful and something we should condemn, but it is something that is going to be used at trial by Jack Smith to argue that it shows his intent. In fact, he's already made a filing about this, that he plans to use Trump's you know, more recent statements praising the insurrectionists to argue that it shows his intent at the time, which is that he thought that this was a good thing to occur. So that I do think will be will come up in terms of evidence, but it's not in and of itself a crime to say that you think that, you know, the January 6th attack was a good thing or something along those lines. That's First Amendment protected speech. Ah, there you go. Sound good? Does that make sense, Roosevelt? Um... I guess. I know. I know. I guess. Maybe, but maybe it, not. All right, I try my best. But I'll tell you this: there's a lot of pretzel twisting when it comes down to this case because yeah. you could take it any way you want. Yep. And here's the thing: here's my last question, Renato. Yeah. How is it possible that the Supreme Court, let's say, it goes to the Supreme Court as far as him being, uh, um, what do they call it? You guys just mentioned it. Uh, immune, uh, immune. That is immune. immune. Okay. Then that would mean, if they decide, that would mean that everything that Biden has been, 
like what, all these charges that they claim that, that he's guilty of taking money, that means that Biden's off the hook. Let's say it's real. Let's say that Biden took $3 million from China. Then he's immune, too, because if you if you do it to one president, you got to do it to all of them. Wait, Roosevelt, are you telling me that Republicans are not consistent, that they're hypocrites? I'm, I'm actually shocked. I'm shocked to hear this. No, I know, Rose. I know. Yeah. Look, uh, look it, it, all of our heads explode at different points. Uh, throughout the day, throughout yeah. the week, when we hear yeah. these stories. But uh, thank you, Roosevelt, for calling in. Thank you, we'll, we'll keep having the conversations. Have a good one. Uh, Roosevelt, I, 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 uh, I, I'm glad you called in with that question. Renato, thank you so much for giving us your time. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful evening. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Everyone should catch the podcast. It's complicated with Renato Mariotti and Asha Ragapa. Anywhere podcasts are available. Anything else you want to let people know about coming up? Uh, no, although, um, you know, I, I, you know, if you are somebody's out in DuPage, we're having a fantastic uh, remembrance of the attack of January 6th, uh, at, you know, downtown in downtown Naperville in my hometown. Uh, and I will just say to everyone that we should be taking seriously this year uh, the election that is going to be occurring, because if not, we're going to have a repeat of of, uh, you know, that with somebody in power who wants to exact revenge on his enemies. Uh, well said. And I agree completely. Be well, Renato. Take care. Follow Renato on, on, on Twitter, on Instagram, all the places you can follow him. And uh, stay up to date on, on threads, I'm guessing, too, Renato. I, I'm so That's mad. That's 100% him. in on threads, Excellent. for sure. Excellent. Well done. Be well and my best to your family. Love you, Renato. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Take care, bye-bye. Let's take a break here. We'll continue our conversation when we come back. And let me know what's on your mind today, 773-763-9278. That's the number to call or text us and join the conversation. We'll be right back. Hey, Google, play WCPT. Streaming Chicago's progressive talk from TuneIn. I was going to run another ad, but I realized otherwise it would just be ads and then the weather break. And I want to say hi, everybody. I want to catch up on a couple of texts uh, from our listeners. I mentioned earlier that I was watching some Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies uh, on New Year's Day. It's been my tradition since I, I used to stay up when I was a kid. I, I think... I would say up to like five in the morning because after like all the local coverage of New Janet, you know, uh, Janet Davies and I, I, it was before Marching Greco. I mean, we're talking I don't know, maybe it wasn't even Janet Davies in the 80s, whoever it was that I was watching when I was in high school. After that on ABC, they would always have you can join me, Lady B. We keep forgetting that you can jump in over here. So my tradition was to watch Fred Astaire and Ginger Roger movies until five in the morning. And, and, I, and that sounds about right. Let's say the, the movie started around 1 a.m. So be Gay Divorcee, Top Hat, kind of pretty much the same movie. Gay Divorcee came out first, and then a year later they made Top Hat similar uh, plot lines. And then Swing Time, which is one of my pick yourself up, dust yourself off, start all over again. Anyway, what, do you have a tradition for New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, Lady B? For New Year's, I don't cook at all. We, nobody cooks. We that should be a tradition in general. Out. You don't have to cook all the time, Lady B. <laughs> it, hey, when my kids, when my twins started cooking, they, I stopped. So I, I love it. But for New Year's, we don't cook at all. And uh, well, we just listen to the music or or watch movies. Yep. You know, and and I just. I love Christmas movies. I 
remember watching like uh, 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 Rudolph the Reindeer. Red Nose Reindeer, yeah. Yeah, Reindeer. Uh, 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 Rudolph with the New Year's Baby. Yes. Oh, I love that. The stop then, action. Um, What's it called? Stop action, stop motion action. I can't, like the, it's not claim, it's kind of claymation, but I love that. That style of filmmaking that they right. use for those, right? Because they that it, it's right. It's like almost like clay, clay live action, and they photograph each movie. Right? Yeah. So much fun. Yes. What did you watch this year? Huh? What did what movies did you watch this year? Anything new? Nothing new. Everything was <laughs> everything was Marvel, DC. I everything was uh, um. I try to. Uh, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> um, I, try you, to I know I got to do many, uh, too many things now. <laughs> Talk to me while you're answering the phone, Lady B. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, I, I, um, you know, it, 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 uh, just repeat of the Incredible Hulk. Sure. Uh, I just finished watching the uh, the new uh, Aquam- Aquaman. Oh, how that was came it? Out. It uh-huh. was good. It, it was, was good. good. I liked it. I've seen it on on Christmas Day. I saw. I, I I watched it then, and then I went back for New Year's. I watched the original one. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. I have to imagine that this year's Christmas and New Year's were really uh, important and significant for your family. You've been through a lot this year. We are also grateful to have you every day. I know that I messaged you. Judy from Niles wanted me to wish you yeah. a happy new year. Uh, many listeners call and text. I try to make sure I let you know when they do. And, and uh, you're so beloved. And I know that your family is so thrilled that you're coming through this and and battling breast cancer. It's not an easy time. It's not. And, and you're, such a, you're such a warrior and uh, such a big-hearted person that uh, you make all of our lives better every single day, Lady B. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's just like one of my coworkers came in and he, he gave me a hug. Yeah. And um, uh, it, it's my kids and coworkers and listeners that gave me strength. And hey, like I say when you when I get a text from you or one of the guys saying somebody said hi or Niles or yeah. somebody from Arizona, somebody from you know everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. You, you know that that makes me like thank you. You know giving me reason to wake up every morning, battle the pain and and, and you know it, it it strengthened me, you know, and I appreciate that. I really do. I really well, do. It, it reflects on who you are. That we all want you we all send that love, that energy and uh and all the best wishes. <laughs> Thank so, you. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. It's so good to have you back. Thanks. And we also, also, you can be back, but take it easy. <laughs> not for nothing. I do. I do. I, 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 it's, you're so sweet because we all want to come in for a hug. And it's like, okay, folks, this is where, <laughs> this is the source of all the, let's, let's do a, how about we do a hip bump? How about a little elbow dance, a little, yeah. little chicken dance? <laughs> and, and people, I mean, they want to hug you and that's, and that's very sweet. And, and I think that you're very good about like, you know, you just got to be mindful of putting one hand up and, and guide, you have to guide them, I think is the best yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. For the hugs. Yeah. Yeah, because I love you. 
<laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, whoever was calling, call back, 773-763-9278. That's the number to call and join our conversation. What is on your mind? Uh, we'll continue. I want to talk about what we are going to do this year to make sure that we protect our democracy. When we come back, 773-763-9278, what are you going to do? Are you going to phone bank? Are you going to go door knocking? Are you going to call all, everyone in your in your family and say, hey, what are your plans to vote this year? What are you doing to get out there and get people energized and informed on this election? More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Buy yours at Beer on Central in Evanston, D&D Finer Foods in Evanston, Rogers Park Provisions, Provisions Uptown, and Beer Shop Oak Heart must be 21. Please drink responsibly. You want facts to matter? Want to hear some truth? Get your lazy ass down to the voting booth and vote. Damn it! Vote. Damn it! Want some justice on the Supreme Court? Lifetime appointments—they ain't short. Want women to control their own body? President, not John Gotti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Want a clear separation of church and state? It don't come free. Fuckers, participate. Feeling very passionate about uh, the need for you to vote. So seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Look, it's time to hit the ground running now, folks. We are heading into uh, the most I, 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 look. Yeah, it is the most important election of our lifetimes. I don't care. We just say it every time. You know what? Because every election is the most important election of your lifetime in that moment. But I do feel like this year uh, more than ever before. And maybe it's because when Trump won the last time, uh, when he won in 2016, uh, people just had no idea what was looming. Some of us were worried, had some idea that it wasn't going to be good, uh, that many people were going to suffer. And they did. Uh, I don't maybe people just don't have uh, like uh, recollection of. What ha- is there some sort of amnesia that happened for people? Uh, the way he cozied up to Putin, um, the way he said that women should be punished if they have abortions, um, the way he fumbled, not just fumbled, but in a catastrophic way, mismanaged our response to a global pandemic. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't understand how some people are just like, OK, with any of that, not just that happening again because it won't happen again it will be worse and he told us it will be it's not 
And there are plenty of people, and I get that we think about these things uh, as I, I love the way Stephanie puts it, that we marinate in this. I know it's not healthy. And that's one of the things I want to talk about is how we are going to go into this election season. I need everyone to take care of themselves. Take care of yourself. Joan talks about this in particular on Fridays to find something that makes you happy, uh, whether it's going outside for a breath of fresh air. And I and I did. I walked over to the studio today. You can ask Matt and you can ask Lady B. I got here 45 minutes early. I freaked everybody out. They had no idea to do it themselves. People were starting to leave early because they're like, it's not five o'clock yet. Well, I am focused on 2024. Uh, I I have these periods in my life where, you know, I have to save my energy for what's going on in the moment. And what's going on in this moment is that we need to do everything we can to win this election and every election up and down the ballot. And part of that is taking care of yourself. So I walked here today. I got here early, um, did some social media. We are going to start doing as much as I can to put out reels on Instagram. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can crack TikTok. I don't know if I want to, but uh, we are going to be more uh, visible on Instagram. So please po- follow the Patty Vasquez show on Instagram. Would love to have you there. And I'll be posting videos and photos and conversations there, stories, the whole thing. Uh, please follow me on on Instagram and tell me what you're doing to gear up for this election season. So one of the, the my, my it has to be the priority because it determines everything else that you do. You have to take care of yourself. So the reason I walked here today is it's it's cold but not freezing. And when I was in Los Angeles a few weeks ago, my friends gave me a pass to their their health like like spa. And uh, my friend Yenny was like, "You have to do this chirotherapy. This uh, you get really cold." And it's supposed to be good for your metabolism, and uh, I don't really know. But uh, you, you get in this box, and me and Yenny went into the box together. It gets below, 30 below zero. Now, they pay for this. The people in Los Angeles, and I, I, if someone told me that they've seen these here, I, I have to ask why. They get into a box, and it drops to below 30 degrees to make you healthy, I guess. And I'm like, why don't you just come visit me in January, and you get the same thing and you get to come to Chicago. So I'm going to go out for more walks in the cold. I think I might, it hasn't snowed very much, so I don't know if I need snowshoes yet. My husband bought me uh, walking pole, hiking poles, so I'm excited about that. So number one, take care of yourself emotionally. Pace yourself. Pace yourself with uh, with absorbing information, whether it's on social media, whether it's here. Maybe I, I, I someone someone came up to me and thanked me. I, I talk about coming in too hot. Sometimes I come in all fired up, which is part of the reason why I sometimes just come in. <laughs> Don't hang around in the hallways. If I'm just lounging around, I just come in and be like, hey, everybody, so this election is really important and we should uh, maybe do something about that. I come in hot! I come in hot! So yeah, just make me angry in the hallways, Matt, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, just go ahead and, and and poke poke the bear. Uh, so yes, uh, pace yourself with uh, how you're consuming news. Like if you hear something about a poll, right? Oh, Biden's no. We're we're still eleven months away from the election. These polls predict nothing, absolutely nothing. So do do not. Do not take these things seriously. Messaging. We need when we are having conversations with people. Uh, find a way that is comfortable for you to focus on the freedoms we are we are fighting for. The freedom to bargain as laborers 
you know, what we accomplished in 2023 is not only sustainable, but something we can build on when it comes to fighting for workers' rights. The UAW, the Screen Actors Guild, the, the Writers Actor, the Writers Guild of America, the, U, the UPS, all made great gains. Right here in Chicago, we had uh, Columbia College was successful in their in their bargaining and their protesting and picketing. Uh, if that's something that gets you involved uh, with organizing, uh, find out how you can help out. Whether it's Starbucks, uh, I know Trader Joe's is unionizing, but uh, those are some of the free. We're, we're fighting for the freedom to earn a living wage. They are the. the what Republicans do over and over again is continually give tax cuts to the wealthiest and to corporations. They don't want they, they fight back against minimum wages and where places in like Iowa, they're still making seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. And I don't care that it's Iowa and it costs less to live there. It's it's still it. it it is a barrier to freedom because you are not free to live the way you want or where you want to. And yeah, you know what? The thing is about our system of capitalism is that it creates, it does create significant wealth. It also not only creates severe poverty, it criminalizes poverty. So we need to continue to organize, to focus on labor and participate uh, in those actions where we can. And there are a lot of labor contracts that are expiring this year. So it's going to be a part of what we can participate in and elevate that. And those are, are the values of, the, of Democrats. Uh, we also need to remind people that it is, the, it is Democrats that are fighting for bodily autonomy for the freedom to decide your future and how you take care of your body. And that includes when you are pregnant. That, that's, you get to decide that. You get to decide if, whether or not you yourself are going to be put in danger by carrying a fetus. It is, it is not like it, the idea that someone can tell you whether or not you are pregnant, that the state can forcibly make you give birth. I don't care how you got there. Like everyone, I see the, the, the volume of these incredibly callous and hateful people who over and over again say things like, well, if she, if women just kept their legs closed, that's the reaction. If that's, if you are aligning yourself against girls and women having control over their own bodies to having freedom, you are aligning yourself with people who call us sluts and whores and that we deserve it and that God is punishing us. Is that, I mean, that's it. You are either for freedom or for state control over our bodies. Full stop. Trump has already said he wants he wants to punish women for having, there should be some sort of punishment. He said it. Women should be punished for having abortions. And he is taking credit for making abortion illegal across the country in state after state with some of the most just heinous laws in Idaho, in Mississippi, in Louisiana, Texas, Iowa. Again, if that's not enough for people, keep reminding folks of what we have accomplished just in the last three years. We have made investments in our infrastructure. We have made investment in technology. What we went through with that supply chain, President Biden has made sure that we do not face those kinds of shortages again through the legislation and executive orders that he has has, has put out there over the last three years. I mean, what, what more do you need? What? 
Those things alone, lowest unemployment rates, wages are going up, inflation has remained flat, gas prices are down. These are how, these are all the these are all the things that we fight for. I paid two dollars and thirty nine cents a gallon in Wisconsin for gas, but we don't we don't we don't sing and, and dance about those things. And I get it. People want to say, you know, we argued when the prices were higher that the president doesn't necessarily have control. Only this president made moves to make sure that we stabilize gas prices. President Biden may not be a hundred percent responsible for lowering our gas prices, but he has definitely had a hand in it, as did his predecessor, who created the chaos that led to higher gas prices, including being friendly and playing footsie with Putin. Right. The the invasion, the violent invasion of Ukraine is part of why gas prices went up as well. I, I'm starting to scream again. I might not come in hot, but apparently I can end hot. Let's see. Uh, I'll take a break here, and uh, we'll continue our conversation in a moment. 773-763-9278. What are some of the steps you're taking to make sure we do everything possible to make sure that President Biden is successful as uh, in winning this election in November? And and who, what are the candidates that you're looking at? Who do you who do you want to win? Who are you passionate about in your local races? 773-763-9278. You can call or text to that number. More after this. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200, or europeanus.com. He wants blue folks in red states to vote green. I can see his point, though. I really gotta say, no, we can't have another 2016. It seems nothing beats orange. Nothing even freaking rhymes with it. What's a battered nation supposed to do? His royal orange highness, he does love to divide us. We gotta stick together and vote blue. When I recycle, I'm green. Green as green can be. I do my level best. Yes, it's true. But when I'm voting in November, I promise to remember it's us against him. Gotta vote blue. That's Steve Goody with uh, You Gotta Vote Blue, no matter who. You can go to his uh, website, stevegoody.com. That's G-O-O-D-I-E.com. And uh, pick up any of his great music, including what I did during my pandemic vacation. I had a little bit of a debate today uh, with a young person who uh, is planning to vote another candidate, not Trump, not Biden. Uh, They are in on uh, RFK Jr. right now. I don't. I, I'm. I'm struggling to not get angry <laughs> because, like, it, it, I. I don't. I can't. Why? It's, it's not okay. I. 
Mm, I get that you wish there were other candidates. I, I, I pretty much always wish. I mean, there have been a few. Look, I, I was all in on Obama the minute he gave that speech at the DNC. We are not the blue states of America. We are not the red states of America. We are the United States of America. I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even know he was from here. He wasn't my state senator. He wasn't my legislator federally. Uh, I was like, who is... I mean, you know, I get that he... It had some, you know, obstacles, and, and I, I wish there had been better messaging. There are certainly things when it came to the Supreme Court and healthcare, uh, to name a few. On the on the whole, as a as a leader of this country, who I think inspired people, uh, at the same time he also ticked off a lot of the a lot of racists and and non racists, but he he certainly energized uh, militia groups. Uh, he energized really hateful people. the The upside of of his of his presidency was, for me personally, um, I, I just felt like we had somebody who cared. I guess that's what it, for me it was is that he cared about Americans even if they disagreed with him. Uh, this is one of the things that Abraham Lincoln was great at, was uh, regardless of what people said to him or about him, he did the job, and he did it for all Americans. Uh, the slave owners might not have felt that way, but he had a vision for what he wanted to accomplish and what that future looked like, and it meant not having slavery anymore. And uh, seriously, the fact that we're still arguing about what the the Civil War was about. Okay, I don't want to go there. Anyway, I was, I was debating a little bit with this young person who is voting for, uh, who is leaning towards RFK Jr. because um, he sees he sees the choice between Trump and Biden to be a lesser of two evils, and I just I don't agree with that. I really don't. Uh, it's it's democracy or fascism. I mean, it's which I mean, you might if you think that democracy is evil, that that's fine. But he's told us Donald Trump has said he will only be a dictator on day one, which means he will be a dictator. Doesn't it doesn't matter because everything you do on that one day affects everything else going forward. If you are fighting for total immunity as a president of the United States saying you want to be able to do anything, and as Jack Smith in his filing said, that he could instruct the FBI to plant evidence or that instruct the National Guard to execute people that are your political enemies, it was this is what he's fighting for. So I, we're going to keep building our list of what we need to do as we head into this election season, as we are in the middle of it now, because in a few weeks we're going to have our, our first primaries and the results of them. So I want to, but so let me, I promised myself, uh, and without telling him that I would do this, um, because it was a request, Dave from Hoffman Estates, who sent us all this lovely Christmas card. I want to make sure that I, because I, it was, it was in the, it was in the um, break room and Lady B was like, here, you can come on, Lady B. Um, you, somebody, Dave asked if you had seen it, and usually the cards go on one side, and somebody had put this up by like all of our uh, information for workers' rights. Correct. <laughs> so, so you're like, oh, okay, so I can take a, I, I'm supposed to take a break every two and a half hours. Oh, wait, where's this Christmas card? Yes. So I'm going to read this out loud because uh, on the air, uh, uh, reading in my head would be bad radio. I'm not going to do that. That would be weird. Uh, to all my friends at WCPT, as always, I want to honor those who, for the most part, don't get the accolades for all the hard work behind the scenes, handling the calls and the technical problems, keeping the programs 
uh, programs of success, and they are to my to my memory. So here's everyone he wants that uh, Dave is thanking. Lady B, welcome back. Paul C, Devin, Alex, uh, I call him Alejandro, uh, Alex, uh, Andy, and to the shows I got to put to my uh, my two cents into uh, Jonas Pazito, uh, Paul and Damien, Edwin Eisendrath, Eric. And Tessa and oh, that's a great show too. Um, Dan and Meg with Palatini, uh, Paul with the uh, kitchen table uh, progressives, um, Paul Richards. In it, let's see, and finally to the callers. So this is the part I wanted to make sure I get to the callers who keep this machine WCPT a, a success. Here are a few: uh, Jim, Roosevelt, Steve. They push me to be at my best with stories. Uh, and hold on a second. He said hey, there are a few more. Let me see if I can get to the. Uh, I I gotta move this text screen over because I can't. I don't have my. I don't have my glasses on. Everybody, <laughs> I can't see the screen. All right, one second. I know that. Okay, here it is. Uh, let's see. On that card, you would. Could you also please mention some others? Judy from Niles, Debbie from Old Town, Earl from Hyde Park, and uh, mention Paul from Seattle amongst the show hosts. Those are just a few. Uh, if you could let me know. Yeah, of course. Those. Are, he wants to let you know that your contributions uh, make us all stronger and make this show a success, as well as the other shows here at WCPT. What are the callers? Would you say? Hey, he also said he forgot to put Matt Cummings. On oh yeah, Matt Cummings. Mark was, Pink. Sorry. Oh, yeah, that was, sorry, that was in the uh, the parentheses. And okay. Matt Cummings and Julia Shu. Yes. Julia Shu, yes. And my, all those folks. And, and I'm trying to think, there's a lot of great callers. Uh, George calls in from, and George from, there's two couple Georges. George is right. from the South George Side. from the South Side. Andy in Evanston. Uh, and if I'm not mes- mentioning you, it's just because I'm caught off guard with, uh, with trying to remember everybody. But we have some really great callers. Uh, and we encourage everyone to call, especially if you've never called. Every Friday, we do First Timer Friday, and those gift cards will continue. Until further notice. Yes, we've had some great first timer callers too. There was, I just I, oh, and, and uh, Dave from Dynamo Dave from Duluth. Oh, yeah. Yes, thank you, Dynamo Dave. Oh, I have to go. We're done. Bye, Lady B. Uh, Paul Farvar is filling in for me tomorrow. I'll be back on Thursday, and we'll have uh, Brendan Hannigan back in studio. We have our Gen Zer. He's our new correspondent, uh, and we'll be catching up with him. So Mike creeps up next with with uh, Devil's Advocates, followed by Matt McNeil. Thank you, Lady B. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs>